This podcast is proudly brought to you by Torched. Want to know how to grow your business with podcasting? Head to gettorched.com. That's G-E-T-T-O-R-C-H-T.com. I'm Wayne Carey, and this is The Truth Hurts. Well, weekends now are very different for me, Anton, as, uh, and, and I know what you're thinking straight away, yes. but obviously I don't have to be at the footy, so I've got a little bit more spare time on my hands, and I tell you what, on the weekend, I've, I've discovered a gem. <laughs> Oh, here we I've go. discovered discovered an absolute gem, and what it is, and look for for a lot of people out there, they'll be going, oh yeah, what what's stuck get up to? And I'm not talking about spa parties or anything like that, but and and a lot of people know about Fitzroy, a lot of people do. They, they do. know they yes. know about has been around for a little they, while. Yeah, they know about Brunswick Street. BT's been banging on about this for years because he, I know he's got a little uh, property in Fitzroy, and I have been there once with him, but. I went there yesterday. Don't tell me you're, you're going hipster. What, uh, what, a, what a place. Not one person gives a stuff <laughs> of, of who you are or what you do. They don't, no one even turns and I, no one even looks at you. Well, you know why, don't you? They don't know who you are there. So I spoke last week about going on the, you know, if you're on the run, uh, you're, in, <laughs> you're basically on the Gold Coast. This, this is, if you want to be in hiding, if you're up to no good, just go to Fitzroy. You're not going to end up in the social pages if you go to, go to Fitzroy <laughs> Brunswick Street because no one cares. No one cares what anyone else does. It was an absolute experience. I think it was called the Black Cat or something I went to and a couple of other couple of other little venues that you pop into and you just walk down there and obviously the uh, the attire, I'd probably have to change my attire. You're a bit, bit overdressed maybe there? Or? Well, I looked like I was going to the Porty Pole. <laughs> be fair to say I stood out. Yeah. But once again... Even though you you're not wearing what everyone else is wearing there, you, no one gives a no one cares. You're not so, a whole lot of chat about Pagan's Paddock or anything like I'm, that. No, I am. I that that is my new and if you, so any AFL football or any young fella or young young uh, woman out there that wants to just get away from the the you know like if you want to be noticed, you go to the the Yespy. Or you know places like that, or into the city. You go to you go to the, all the common places. But if you don't want to be noticed, get to Brunswick Street. I loved it. Had an absolute ball. That's some great advice, I reckon. Brunswick Street. It's yep. a bit, bit out of the way for me, but have have gone there a few times over the journey every now and then. But uh, big week for you this week, Duck. Um, you, you travelling this week? You going anywhere? No, I've got. I think I've got to go up to the country on the weekend. Not, not, what do you? No. Not, not going overseas or no? I was, you know, I was in Singapore two weeks ago. I did, I did know that. Yeah, for a lunch. That's an interesting, uh, an interesting place, Singapore. Tell me why. No, I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting at the coronation. Oh, surely you've got an invite. Oh. <laughs> the king. By the way, you know, I'm, I'm a big royal family person. I'm, and by, and you know what? And I love Meghan. No, come on. And I love Harry. <laughs> come on. No, I know it's a bit like, you know, whether you like coriander or whether you don't. I know there's a lot of people out there that are against Harry and Meghan. I'm massive, and I know they're not in the royal family anymore, but I love Harry and Meghan. I love the Queen. She helped me out not all that long ago. She took me off the front pages. Um, <laughs> she but I, I, abs- <laughs> no, I do. And I know the King is obviously. Uh, you know him. Well, no, I don't, but I know he's about to be given his crown, so to speak. So, uh, no, I'm I'm a big follower. I'm a seriously, I I love Meghan and Harry. Well, when you share a title with uh, with the king, uh, I'm sure you would be. Uh, there's also been a big uh, change at the top of the AFL this week. 
official that Gillan McLaughlin yeah. is uh, is going to be out at least in a few months' time. Andrew Dillon is is going to be his successor. Not a big surprise. Andrew Dillon's been at the AFL. Um, he he surprised though at how long this has taken to happen. How much money do you reckon they've spent on this process? I'd be, hundreds of thousands. It, it, it would be hundreds of thousands. Well, it's, oh, they've, they've they've got an external person to do this worldwide. Well, search. What, a, what a waste of money! What a waste of money! I mean, let's be honest. The last two appointments, you know, obviously Gill took over from Andrew, which everyone knew, and they've gone through this whole process, and yet the the candidate was sitting right under their nose the whole time. So they've wasted all this money for nothing. When I reckon. 100% he was going to get it anyway. Andrew Dillon, a very good operator. I, I don't, by the way, I'd have no problem with Andrew Dillon taking over the job. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against it. Fantastic. But why why make out you're going through a process when you're really... You're not. You're yeah. not. Is, well, it that's, a, that's is it a boys club? It's funny. I saw a photo of him today alongside Simon Lethley and they played footy together at Old Zavs. And so there is this... That is a boys club. No doubt about it. Footy on the weekend. Some big results again. Collingwood... They've done it again, come back from 22 points down against Adelaide in a low-scoring game. Uh, what did you make how, of that? How do, they, how do they keep doing it? What I will say is that the umpiring in that last quarter has to be one of the worst umpiring performances Terrible. Terrible. In, in, nearly in the history of the game. How many mistakes could they make in one passage? And by the way, it all went against Collingwood and they still managed to get up and win. Uh, quite remarkable when you think about you know their last year and a half. It has been... Oh, so, so impressive to win so many games. And for that reason, that's why I thought Collingwood were going to struggle this year. And I've said that a number of times now because I thought they, they can't just keep winning these close games. Well, yes, they can. This, And, and, and I'll tell you why, because it's a, they play high-risk footy, high-risk, high-reward, and, and that's why they get away with games. That's why they can come from behind. They could all – but – they just take the game on and then other sides tighten up. They know that they're coming. So sides now know that Collingwood are going to play to the final siren. Surely they have to continue to play to the final siren. They have That was to. the big thing, wasn't it? Adelaide, like Essendon, just seemed to stop and they stopped playing their game in that. Exactly right. It's like they choke, they choke up. Mm. They stiffen up and Collingwood just keep playing with a freedom and, and take it on. And, um, you know, well done. What a performance. Sydney got them last year, I think it was, in, a, in the prelim. So they, they just missed out on the grand final. They are going to have moments where they're, they're gettable. You know, the, I, I'm sure Craig McRae would wish that they're not four goals down every game. I watched another team yesterday, which is, is Geelong, who have obviously won the premiership and they, they started slowly. Have you, have you got Collingwood ahead of Geelong at the moment? Who's, who's the premiership favourite right now? With Collingwood, I think, you know, ahead of maybe your expectations, but Geelong sort of back where we expected them to be. Oh, for me, it's Melbourne and Geelong. I think they're my favourites, probably Collingwood and a couple of others just behind them. But I think you, you nailed it when you said that they, they're giving you a chance, Collingwood. I mean, sides are playing some really good footy against them, but they're, they're finding a way to win. So that's, you know, that's a feather in their cap. So they've, they've got some weaknesses. So how can they get better, Collingwood? Oh, they need a key position forward. As simple as that. And, you know, we know that McStay's there. He's injured at the moment. But I don't think he solves their problems. So that's that's their weakness for me. At the other end of the table, some really ugly results. Carlton smacked West Coast. Melbourne really dominated. Uh, sorry, uh, Melbourne really dominated North Melbourne, particularly in the first quarter. Uh, are you concerned there about um, North Melbourne in particular, given that we had so much hope around Alistair Clarkson to start the season? Well, it just goes to show you that if you don't have the players, it doesn't matter how good the coach is. <laughs> and and I think we're seeing that at North Melbourne. 
I mean, you know, they, they won a couple of games, obviously, at the start of the year, but their last three weeks have been terrible. So, you know, they've got, you know, who many people believe is, you know, the greatest modern-day coach, you know, certainly in the last 20 or so years, and yet he's not getting any better results than what Noble got, you know, a year ago. You've got a bit of a theory here, which I've been heard thrown around this morning. I'm not sure about it, though. Can you just explain to me what you mean when you... You're well, talking well, coaches, about coaches. Coaches don't make teams. Teams make coaches. Players make coaches. It's not. Jeez, it's, you've cut up rough on Dennis after the last other, week. It's not you? the other way around. So what you, you're saying that you would no, have won those flags no, without Dennis. No, Dennis. Dennis made certainly made us better. He harnessed a he harnessed a group. But at the end of the day, he had talent. And I think all all sides. I mean, you look at Lee Matthews. I think what Lee Matthews did at Collingwood in 1990 was far more impressive than what he did at Brisbane. I mean, Brisbane, he had an unbelievable team. Don't get me wrong. It was, and what Clarkson did in 2008 was better than what he did with the three-peat because I don't think that that list was um, better than, you know, the, the, the three flags in a row in those particular years. So that, the counter-argument to that is there are talented lists who don't win and there's, you know, the personalities that you need to harness and you need to, you know, garner this team spirit. You've got to be well, tactically, you know, on, on your game. So that you're saying that doesn't come into it? No, no. Coaches can certainly make teams better. There's no there's no doubt. But in general, I think most of the time, the players are certainly the ones that enhance the coach's reputation. So it's McRae, made McRae, a difference. McRae's yep. made a difference. Brad so Scott, in saying, made a difference. In, in saying that, does that, so Nathan Buckley couldn't coach. Well, he got him to a grand final, so. And we, in, one of, in one of his years, yeah. But in all the other years, and then, so basically what's that, McRae having the results that he's having now, it's all saying, well, Ben Rutten obviously didn't get it right because I think Essendon are performing way better as well. But North Melbourne aren't performing any better. Well, they did win two games. but <laughs> Their la- last three weeks of, uh, they have, is yes. a flashback to, to last No, year. absolutely. You're right, you're right on North Melbourne. It's going to be a long year for the Roos and, and some more injuries as well. Um I watched with interest this morning in the NBA playoffs. Steph Curry dropped 50 points as Golden State beat Sacramento. Game seven, deciding game of their series. So a huge performance from Steph. Sets up this massive showdown with LeBron James in the Lakers, the Western Conference semifinals. It got me thinking about international sporting stars. And, you know, as a youngster, I had these guys that, you know, I sort of looked up to, whether it be your Tiger Woods or or these sort of people. I'm interested in, in your thoughts, and we're slightly different, you know, vintages in terms of the people we'd be looking at. But who in your time did you really admire? Was it was it your Michael Jordan? Or who, who in your mind did you did you look up to? As a young kid, I grew up loving Muhammad Ali. And I and I had a chance to meet him in 1998, but um, actually said no because I had a grand final said to play. no. Yeah, well, I'd, well, I had a grand final. And if we'd lost that grand – if I'd met Muhammad which, which Ali – Which year is this, sorry? 98. 98. So, so when did he want to meet you? What, what day did he want to... On the Friday before the game. Okay. So after we did the parade, they said, you know, you've got a chance to go and meet Muhammad. And I, I thought, and, and like I said, my absolute hero, the one person, I think I think of Nelson Mandela, I think of Muhammad Ali, I would have loved to, I think Bill Clinton, <laughs> I would have loved to, I, I just think, I thought Bill was a great president, highly intelligent. But I, I knew that if we lost, that... Dennis would say, you know, you know what, son, thinking about meeting Muhammad Ali rather than playing footy. And then when the siren went and we lost anyway, um, I was absolutely shattered. Did you think you might have been able to do it and maybe keep it quiet or do it on? How are you going to keep 
meeting Muhammad Ali quite. Well, what was sure the setting? Have, what was I, it? Where, where well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. His people spoke to my people. Remember, I was pretty my big back people. then. <laughs> I was, would have been, they would have rang Ricky. They would have rang Ricky Nixon. But I did meet my other hero, so the, the theme's the same. I got a chance to meet Mike Tyson. Um, I was in Vegas, um, just strolling around the Wynn Casino, uh, like a lost little lamb, didn't know uh, where I was going. I think I might have been going to the blackjack table, actually. And I hear uh, someone yell out, duck, duck. And I thought, you know, no one knows, you know, me in Vegas. And I looked around and there's Jeff Fennick with Mike Tyson. <laughs> and they had a fair entourage around them. And as they're walking towards me, I just, I was, I was in awe. And, as you would be. And there's no, well, there's no, I, I don't think I've met anyone uh, in football terms, I think Lee Matthews has a presence. And I remember Tony Lockett, when I first met Tony Lockett, he just had a had an absolute presence about him. And seeing Mike Tyson, who's obviously I'm, I'm taller than, but... There's I a did, level of show business too with, oh, with boxing, isn't there, as well? More, he had more presence than Santa. <laughs> he, he, he sir, I, I just, I, I was just sitting there staring at him, and I, I thought, oh, this is getting quite embarrassing. By the way, Mark Philippoussis was was in the entourage as well, and we we're walking through, and Jeff said, "Come and come and have a drink with us." So I, I, I thought, yeah, 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 no worries, and I, but I didn't want to look like I was dagging him. For those who don't know what dagging is, that's sort of you know just following him around like a little pilot fish, <laughs> a little lost puppy. But so we went. Sat in a, a restaurant bar, sat there just uh, basically staring at him. <laughs> in a, in a did weird, he know who you were by weird, this stage? Did, did, no, no. Well, he wouldn't have a clue who but I did was. Jeff, did Jeff Fennick sort of? Well, Jeff, he? Jeff then started to tell Mike that you know, he, and and I thought, yeah, keep going, Jeff. Keep going. <laughs> so he started to give uh, Mike all my stats, and then once he'd finished that, because I was sitting there trying to work out a, a time or how I was going to ask him for a photo. Yeah. Which, by the way, I've never asked anyone for a photo. The only time. Life. The only time I've asked someone to have a photo. And I'm, I'm trying to think of the right timing. And just as Jeff um, stopped peeing in my, po- uh, <laughs> in my pocket about me, I thought, this is, this is the right. And I just I stood up. I said, oh, sorry, Mike, I, I don't normally do this, but would you mind having a photo? And he went, yeah, no worries. So I stood up and uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's one of... Uh, one of the best photographs that I've got. Absolutely uh, love it. One of my pride and joys. And then after that, he said, and Jeff and, and Mike and I think uh, I think Mark, yeah, Mark was still there. And they said, Are "You coming to spear mint rhino with us?" <laughs> and I thought about that. And I thought, "Geez, that'd be no." And then I, I I had to say no to that because I didn't, as I said, I didn't want to look like I was just following him around. So I I said, "No, no, no, you guys go and." Uh, so I didn't end up uh, venturing to Spearmint Rhino, but it was um, it was one of the highlights of uh, of the trip. For those of us who haven't been in that sort of setting, what do you say to to Mike Tyson, someone like Mike Tyson? What do you talk about? Is it sporting stuff? Is it life? No, I Is- didn't talk to him. You didn't, what, you didn't say anything to him. I didn't. I well, said too scared. To. I said bugger all to him. I, I told you. I sat there staring at him. I oh, know, but you but you must have said something though. No, I did. Would you mind having a photo, Mike? <laughs> That's all I said to him. That's the worst. That's that's terrible, mate. You got to do better oh, well, than that. What, what was what was I going to say to him? Oh, I don't know. You're a good boxer. I, I mate. did go. I did go and watch him fight uh, uh, Lennox Lewis in Memphis um, when I had that year off. I had so I did a bit of a, a did a bit of a tour through the United States, and I was lucky enough to get some good tickets to that fight. So I, I have watched him fight live. But no, I was like I said, I was like a I was like a scared. 
scared little lamb. I didn't want to. I didn't know what to say to him. Now this uh, episode comes on the back of a huge episode last week with Dennis Pagan, your former coach, and big reaction to that show. Some of the comments we got from Broad, all the best in your next chapter, Wayne. Great listen between coach and captain. Uh, well done. Great show off to a good start. Would be ideal if it went for an hour each week. That was from Rob, uh, from Frank. These two men gave me the greatest experience as a kangaroo supporter throughout the nineties. Thank you. Great chat. Now well, that's it, nice to hear. <laughs> I have. You know, I don't. I don't listen or watch myself on anything, and never have. People might be surprised by that, but uh, no, I don't. So, uh, have you spoken to Dennis since then? I have, Dennis. Uh, Dennis actually sent me a message, and he won't mind me saying this, obviously because it had created a, a, a few headlines, and he thought that he thought that you know I wouldn't be happy about that, or, or he just said, "I hope you're okay, son. I hope I you know didn't uh, I wasn't too brutal." And I said, "No, you were honest, and that's exactly what and that's exactly what this is about. It's about being honest and about being raw." And when we speak to um, people, and when we have our next guest, which will be the next episode, it, it, it is about people that have have overcome adversity and gone through some heartache in their in their particular lives. And I and I'm fascinated to see how people one handle that adversity and how they get through it, but at the same time, then the support that they were given, how they got through it, all of those things that uh, I'm fascinated by and and, in, and impressed by and, and inspired by. I did want to ask you about that because, I mean, I know you've gone through a lot of this stuff and, and you've spoken about some things before, but this is almost on uh, another level and, and you, your kids now are getting a little bit older. How do you handle that as a father now? Because when it's just yourself, I'd imagine you can you know, compartmentalise that a little bit easier You know, when you're just thinking about you, but now you've got to think about kids that are starting to get to an age where they can see what's going on and they can hear and read and they're told things as well. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Be, be fair to say they've they've gone through a bit already. <laughs> At least I I can sit here and and I guess talk about those things. And I think the first thing you've got to try to do is you you sit down and have conversations. And um, you know Ella Ella said to me just the other day. I was over at Sally's. How old is she now? Uh, Seventeen. She's doing year twelve. So I was over at Sally's having some dinner, um, and Ella Ella said to me, "Dad, why did you have to tell the um, rest of the world that you pooed your pants?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, Ella, I was I was five. It's not like I pooed them last week." It's going to keep coming back to that. Quite, I was. I think. It was uh, and Sally sort of uh, questioned the same thing. Like, why did why did you have to talk about pooing your pants? Do you have to. You know, be that. Wrong. I said, well, I was talking about being an insecure, um, insecure kid that um, was really shy and you know w- wouldn't um, stand up and, and say something like that. That's that's who I was at that age. And um, but yeah, they uh, they were were confused by it. But I, I think as long as you tell them what you know, explain to them, and and it's a constant conversation. It is with Charlotte as well. I think she said she said, Dad, have you had five hundred girlfriends? <laughs> <laughs> That's I a said, tough I, one to answer. I said, I beg your pardon? <laughs> I said, where did you get that figure from? She said, well, you know, you've got you've got mum, you went out with Sally, you know, Jess, and and, and, I, and then, you know, she reads about or she hears about um, what's in the paper and somehow she came up with this figure of why 500, have you had 500 girlfriends? I said, no, I haven't had 500. Yeah, some tough questions. Well, thanks for your insight there. I'm really looking forward to your, to your next segment, which will be on a slightly lighter note than that. You're going to tell us how to uh, how to pour a, 
beer. I won't give too much away about your technique, but you've had a you've been at me about this. You, I, I've never heard a bloke be so excited about pouring a beer. I didn't think it was that hard, but you reckon you've got some special insight that no one else no, in Australia no, does. Nobody, well, no, that's that's wrong. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that don't know how to pour a beer properly. So there is going to be a beer pouring segment. I look forward to it. See you, Wayne. See ya. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Torched. Want to know how to grow your business with podcasting? Head to gettorched.com. That's G-E-T-T-O-R-C-H-T dot com.